Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. On this episode, we have Ada Grace Powers. She's the Senior Director of Internal Audit at TripAdvisor. And I think from the jump, we start talking about going digital and we never really talk about what that means. Um, So it's not necessarily using analytics or necessarily using RPA, but I think in the way that we were talking about it, it's almost this mindset of how can we use technology across the board um, and kind of like having that in the back of our heads at all all times instead of, hey, we're going to implement data analytics this year or something to that effect. So um, going digital is something that we we talk about a lot during the episode. We also talk um, or make reference to Carol Rapp's episode during the interview. Uh, her episode was the one prior to this one, so check it out. It's also just got a lot of good kind of meaty stuff in it uh, <laughs> that I think you'll enjoy. And lastly, there are two links in the show notes that are really great that that Ada Grace mentions. One is a link to a TEDx talk on how kind of the brain works and we learn, which is really interesting. And then one of her staff took a, at like an online Harvard um, training class on um, called the data science wrangling. So uh, we included that link also for people that are getting interested in data analytics or implementing it in their team. So this episode probably has more, great quotes in it, I think, than any other episode. I know I wrote down, um, looking at like five right now, and just some other really good stuff. I just took, you know, I took a lot of notes when I was listening back through this one. So it is one definitely worth listening to. All right, here we go. What What's the, the first step in y'all's digital transformation, you think? So we uh, have done quite a bit. So I think the first step we talked about this is, you know, understanding the vision that you have for your team. What are your capabilities? What is the future of your organization look like? Um, both on people, process, and technology. Um, and then from there, uh, define roles within your group. Who's going to be doing what? Because there's different capabilities that the technology will enable you to do and then align it with their careers. There's a lot of soft skills that are involved in this. It's not, you know, just let's just digitize and let it be. But I think in order for you to really start transforming your, your group, you, you need to have it be a, an orchestrated dance amongst all three elements. 
Yeah, and that's something that we talked about last time was um, like when you look at people processing technology, when you're developing the vision for your group, which is something you said you've done is this is the vision I want to have for, for my group and relative to people, this is what I want to do relative to process. This is what I want to do relative to technology. This is what I want to do. Um, and I thought that was a really good approach to, to doing that and developing the vision and then um, executing on it also. So what are you doing within each of those three areas to like to see that vision or develop that vision? So as we talked about for the people, I, um, I think that the more that you digitize, the more social capabilities uh, become important. So um, on the people front, it's not just about learning the technology, but then really making sure that we hone in on what collaboration is. And then now with COVID, we had to think about collaboration in a different way. So how do we think about virtual collaboration? But then just having the social awareness, because in order for you to be successful in implementation of your, your digital solutions, knowing where the data is, knowing the processes that are going to really be optimized by, your, by the digital solutions is important, but you need to make sure that you know how to partner with the business to come up with those solutions and even amongst your team. Um, so we're thinking both how do we upskill our people and learn the different tools, you know, so whether it's UiPath or Automation Anywhere, whatever tool it is that you decide to go with on robotics process automation, RPA, or for uh, Alteryx, uh, or whatever other data toggling and analytics tool that you decide to, to use, uh, we're looking at both the tech, but then also the, the social capabilities. So we've done team-wide, um, so it's not just specific to an individual. So for the tools, it's specific to an individual, but for the entire team, including myself, uh, we're taking trainings on social capabilities and even for things. And it's crazy that with all this environment that we're in today in relation to, to race and how we think about equity, diversion, and inclusion, uh, it actually blends itself um, to how we think about our, our organization and our workforce. Uh, we just did a training on uh, cognitive bias and um, another one on just the curiosity mindset. Um, so I find that is just making sure that we're uh, being intentional in the soft skills beyond just the, the tech and just having really candid open discussions with every individual in the team. Yeah. Um, and what was the, we talked about that cognitive bias, I think training last time too. What was the big takeaway from that? I, I think for us, it's just kind of keeping ourselves in check, just thinking about attribution bias, um, where, or sometimes where we go in and when we're working out and scoping the audit, we already have, well, we understand the risk, so this is the risk that we're going to be looking for and really frame our procedures and our questions and the way that we approach it more trying to confirm what we thought we already knew rather than making sure that we can we're keeping ourselves open to be able to pivot i know that there's the the risk of the um scope creep and having it increase to what you didn't anticipate but i think we need to be open to that either let go of the stuff that we you know, if it's going to just be confirmed what we already knew that the risk is there, let's just confirm the risk is there. 
there's maybe action that we can take on it, but then there's a lot of unknowns that we don't um, uh, really have insight into. So why don't we spend time there unraveling some of that a little bit rather than just confirming what was already known. And so what was the, the term you used was attribution? Bias. Bias, okay. And then kind of a, a definition of that. I feel like there were some examples there, but. Um, yeah, no, it's just more that you attribute it to what you think you know rather than be based on fact and data. That's probably the most common one. And unfortunately, that's the only one I, <laughs> I didn't write a definition to. Well, yeah, it, and that's what talk about the biggest takeaway. So that is, you know, the biggest. Yeah. That's perfect. And I know you are a big emotional intelligence type person. Uh, one of the projects that we had talked about that you'd worked on was a, a high level, we called it, or you called it a digital transformation project. But you said that while you were leading this digital transformation project, your role was to develop the people on the project, which was kind of, you know, it's a digital transformation project. And you're saying, yeah, but my role is to focus on the people, which is just super interesting to me. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, um, there's always people behind it. We're not robots. So in order for us to really transform, we have to let go of what we know and open ourselves up to think about things differently. And um, so we, I actually kicked off the uh, Digital Igniters session with a TED Talk on um, the brain anatomy of learning and neuroplasticity and what's the process of short-term versus long-term and what's involved in that. Because I think we have to be open to like not having it be a checklist and this is how you use a tool. But the biggest takeaway that's really gonna transfer across an organization and even into your future um, job um, and really enable you to be successful in your career is to, and how you think and um, how you you're, you're approaching something. So that's part of the reason why I'm really big on, on, on learning and rethinking how we're learning. Um, and sometimes we don't know how to think about something. So we have to learn how to think about digital technology. What does it look like to have a virtual digital workforce? It's all very new. Um, so we have to strip back to the most basic layers and be um, comfortable with relearning. I haven't talked to anybody about this in the audit world. So I'm curious. I'm starting to use video more in emails so that I don't have to take the time to like type out an email because it takes me forever. So mm -hmm. like last week I started to write an email and I was like, this is going to take me 30 minutes to type this out and make sure that it reads the right way and it doesn't come off the wrong way. And instead I just recorded a video that was three and a half minutes long and made it private on YouTube and sent the person a link and they replied and was like, that was it's like significantly better than having to deal with an email. I can see that working out. I think often we just end up, you know, scheduling a meeting and talking through something and or using, we, we use Slack as our communication tool. So then I just ping them and ask them if they have the five minutes. Because to your point, you know, the five minutes um, that we're having a conversation and you don't always get a response, but at least I'm not sending something an email um, that sometimes is not going to be taken the right way, or maybe it'll go in a tangent and get you further away from what you, you yeah. need. Uh, but I had never thought about that. That's definitely something different. But um, I think it would be good for follow-ups or like thank yous, you know, something where 
it requires just a little bit more, um, like a little bit more of a personal touch. Yeah, and it's so hard um, with we're having to work remote a hundred percent, you know. And I think even we're we're reviewing an area of the business now that we hadn't uh, historically for one of our projects. And I was saying to somebody, I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to meet this person um, face to face. They're in Europe, you know, and um it just feels very you know disconnected because some of it is like email some of it is um on slack but then having been able to have a little bit more of that personal touch made it easier to like as you navigate through spreadsheets and schedules and roadmaps and whatnot having a little bit more of the personal touch because then um you end up having a lot better collaboration um, versus just here's an email, here's a confluence page, here's our status check, you know? And I think you would appreciate this story. Um, I had that with someone where it was just, we were introduced through email, we emailed each other, um, and they would send me the data that I needed. And there was really, it, it wasn't necessary to meet face-to-face to like finish the project or you know go to the next step or anything. Um, and I think sometimes it gets a, a little annoying to like, when you have the meeting that could have been done through email kind of thing. But I just told him, I was like, we've been doing this for months now. And I have no idea. Like we've never seen each other. I was like, I'm going to come to your office and pick up the date. Like I literally just put it on a flash drive. I don't even need to be there. They could have emailed it. Um, just so that we can see each other though, because it is, it's just weird. Like I don't creepy is not the right word, but it's just you know, weird to have a strictly email based uh, relationship with somebody. And not just that, think about it too, in terms of like, if you're able to make that connection, I think it lends itself into like the way that your relationship works out in the future. So it's becomes more of a partnership. So if you're able to establish that connection, as things evolve in the business changes come up, they're more likely to think of you, uh, or maybe I should check in with this particular individual and, and see if, make sure that there's no risk here or not, no like, audit implications that I have to think about um, that's less likely to happen when it's just the email versus having some sort of like personal connection and touch. Yeah. And I've asked a few veteran audit folks, like what would you tell um, someone new to audit or someone that's just graduated or something? And it's usually the, the two common answers are build relationships with people. That's not just lip service. You know, I've heard that forever. I think everybody has. And it wasn't until you know, a few years ago, um, where I realized why it's actually important. Um, and then the other thing is like to understand or to understand tech or to be adaptive to change in tech and not assume that it's always going to be the same and have that mindset. Um, which I think is true. You know, both of those are, are very much true. So I wouldn't say that just to audit, I would say that to anybody, um, the way that I hired in my team and I think it's lended itself well, is that um, it's actually one of our company values. I think we've talked about this, is that uh, we never stop learning. So you need to see yourself as a lifelong learner. It doesn't stop in school. So if anything that I'm gonna tell somebody that's gonna lend themselves into like a career success is gonna be to think yourself as a lifelong learner. And then the other one, like you're saying, is uh, the relationship side. Again, another one of our values too, that uh, we're better together. 
um, and you just never know uh, where that relationship can land in itself. Uh, it could be a career opportunity further down the line. I've seen this play out in so many different occasions where you had established a relationship and then you guys go off your separate ways five seven years down the line something comes up and out of the blue somebody that you had connected with years prior uh they reach out to you and saying you know this came up and for some reason i thought of you i had that like connection in in my brain that um related back to you so like you know would you be interested in this particular opportunity that happens so frequently that's literally how our analytics company started Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. All right, I know you're, we talk like pet peeves often on this um, podcast. So what is your audit pet peeve? It's the checklist audits. Um, well, I know that there's things that need to be done, but, um, and this is why I thought of like the attribution bias too. It's probably why for me it's so important um, is that when, you know, making sure that we're not opening up ourselves to, we are opening up ourselves to something new and um, not just following a script. And Often when you get try to get feedback from the business on what they didn't like some like that's a very common um, Feedback point that we get is that it just feels very checklist They weren't asking questions that I thought that they would have asked. I gave this particular answer I'm surprised that they didn't dig into it further. I would have expected them to look into this particular area and they attributed just back to being more of a checklist um, auditor Gotcha. I was reading something today that said uh, in the interview process, it was like a hiring firm or HR person, that the question they'd always want the interviewee to ask is, is there anything else, like any concerns of yours that I can address? You know, like I'm interviewing for the job and they've asked all their questions, um, but it's, hey, what else is there that that I need to address for you? And it's it's kind of a whatever your assumption is of me after these, you know, last 45 minutes that you have, let me change your mind in case it's a negative one. Um, so I think that'd be almost a good question to ask also like during a walkthrough or something, or even a closing meeting is what did we not ask you? Like as a, as a way of saying, tell me what you want to get off your, your chest kind of thing. Like what did we not ask you? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. What are the risk areas that you know, this area better than I do? You have visibility to it, so there are there are risk factors that we haven't adequately considered. What's something that a question I thought of the very techie type person? Mm -hmm. Usually, I don't see them in a executive role. What What do you think about that? Do you have like uh, advice or guidance you would give to someone? Is it 
do you think it's just because they kind of sit in their their cube and stick to themselves or are they looked at as you're the tech person you're going to be the tech person i always think back to something um i'm going to forget her name it's maria something so she used to be the ceo of girl scouts Mm -hmm. had said i had attended an event um alpha years ago I think it was in 2012 um, where she talked about her experience coming to the US and what Girl Scouts did for her so she had people of a different race different ethnicity around and you know she had somebody who was black somebody who was a redhead and um, you know they're sitting around in a circle and what she recognized in that experience is that she belonged, she just needed to know the language, right? So then uh, what I would tell to a tech person is like, don't lose your craft. You're, you've gotten successful as a tech person for a reason. You just have to learn the language of what it means to be an executive. And I talk about that often with my team. Like if you're ever part of a, a due diligence process or if you're ever get pulled in for something that's like part of a, a transaction, pay close attention to the way that the CFO is talking. Like what is the language that he's using and how is he, uh, how is he describing the organization? How is he describing the strategy, whatever it is, pay close attention to the, the way that he's describing it because the more that you familiarize yourself with the language that uh, leadership uses, the more you're preparing yourself for that particular role. So not just in the execution, but then also in the language. Yeah, it's kind of, it kind of goes back to the, it doesn't, I don't think it's a, as applicable now, but dress for the job that you want kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know, speak to the job that you want, like use that language. Um, yeah, yeah. T-shirts and whatever we want to now so you don't have to, you know, wear a suit to be the CFO anymore, but um okay yeah Yeah, and i had our old cfo i had asked her years back um if she wouldn't mind taking me to lunch which she did and i asked her how did she learn to speak the language you know and um she said it was really important for you to own what your craft was so that's why i said like if you're a tech person own your craft uh because people are gonna recognize that it's just then making sure that you then translating that into the language that relates to the the team because no like no one in in the room is going to know more about tech than you do so if you're like a big treasury or tax person uh no one in the particular room is going to know more about tax or treasury than than you will but you need to make sure that you're speaking in the same language in terms of how you look at the business and risk um as the other individuals in the room Okay. That's a good analogy because I, I feel like being like a tech person that everyone should understand tech. But then when you say it like the tax person, I don't know anything about tax. <laughs> like I don't care right. that much. So uh, a question that you wish I would have asked or something else you want to speak to, or is there uh, an answer you want to dive into a little bit more? I think we, I don't know if we got into it as much as we did last time in terms of, um, like digital transformation and how people um, approach it. Um, yeah. I find we, we got into into that a little bit more. And um, I'm curious if you got into that, into, like in the conversation that you had this morning at all, because I think with uh, COVID, it, um, you're, e- you're either further back, like, or further along, you, like, or farther back, or further along um, in your digital transformation because of COVID, because you either had to pivot and do something different or you had um, kind of 
um, set up your team to be able to execute. And then when push came to shove, you were able to pivot and, and do certain things um, that helped the business and then run your digital transformation and really uh, rely on it. Um, so I'm curious to see if you have talked to anybody about that, at least more in this more virtual world. There's definitely been, and I'll tell you, it's coming out, but I talked to, um, she's the IT audit director at San Antonio of Texas. Mm -hmm. And one thing they're doing, at, Carol Raps is her name, and one thing they're doing is using Teams. And I think they'd already done this. So this might go to your point of they were kind of already there. So once it hit, they just like took off with it even more. Um, but like issuing the audit report and doing it more timely. So what they did is they would do a teams meeting with, it was um, leader of the audit group and the team that wrote the report. They would sit down, they would go through everything and that was it. It wasn't, let me email it to you or, Hey, it's on SharePoint. You go do it. It's, Hey, we're going to take 30 minutes and bang this thing out real quick and then we'll be done with it. And then they would do the same thing with the client. So, Hey, everybody that needs to be on the meeting, we're all going to meet. We're going to go over this report. This is the expectation. These, you know, the controls we're talking about, these are the remediation steps that everybody's agreeing to, and then we're done. And basically you can sign off on it, you know, right then. If you want to do the closing meeting, depending on what your protocol is, you can. Um, but she said that's what they were already doing. And so when this hit, all it did was make that even easier because there were people that on the business side that didn't want to attend those like team meetings because that wasn't really what they were used to, but it's so much more efficient um, that now they were forced to do it. So that's one example. So your example is on the process side, but I think even like on the, the, the tech side and on the people side, right? So if you think about collaboration, if we weren't very collaborative and just executed things in a certain way, and now you're virtual, collaboration is even more important. important. So if that wasn't something that you focused on, you're actually like farther back than you needed to be. Because uh, then, uh, then uh, if you want to really get your uh, digital journey going, you have to sort out where's the data, what are the processes, what do I go after? And um, it's almost like you have to start from square one on the collaboration front to make that successful. And then being able to keep up with the speed of change, because there's so much that's changing. There's uh, different risk, different ways that companies are approaching um, their their products and features or whatever it may be. So are we gonna be able to pivot our audit process and plan to make sure that we're uh, targeting the right risk areas across the organization? So what would be for the people that are, that fell behind, what would be like a next step? This is something you can or should be doing right now. Example. Um, so at least for my team, and we ha I have a very lean team right now. We're, we're down to five. I, uh, somebody in my team ha had, um, has left. Um, we're actually going to be taking on two co-ops, but then I kind of like doubled down on my intent in upskilling the, the team and making sure that we at least understand the tools. Because when it comes time to throw a little bit more gasoline into the fire, knowing that we, we don't have necessarily the funding to go full steam into 
the transformation, but we need to understand it better because we can't just leave it all up to the third party, whoever is going to be helping us that has more expertise in a particular area to, to tell us. And not only that, there might be some areas of the business, at least that's the case for the travel market. There might be some areas of the business where it's lower volume now than it has been in the past in certain areas. So then it, it lends itself to an opportunity to test without a lot of the complication of different variations of transactions or like if you're talking about money, like all these different currencies and volume uh, that you have on a standard um, or just a normal business. Um, um, right now, having lower volume lends itself to being able to test the functionality out because you're not um, restricted by the same um, attributes. The same attributes, what? Like, so like, so like, that's what I'm saying, like the complexity, like the volume. So if uh, normally I have millions of transactions on a given month that I have to test out and I'm um, figuring out how to toggle the data in four different sources and getting to one report and looking at it and being able to record or make a decision on it. Now I'm using this new tool that's going to be able to take that data set and uh, toggle it away and so that I can um, have it faster and be able to slice and dice it in a, um, different ways. Um, you have less to lose because then if it doesn't work out, you can always revert to the manual and do it at least manually until you get it, right? Versus if you had uh, millions of transactions and you like went route one and didn't work out, then now all of a sudden you have all this time that you have to, to do the traditional yeah. uh, approach. So that's what I mean by um, different, you know, like volume or maybe you're not doing um, as much volume in a jurisdiction, maybe you only have to like focus on one particular jurisdiction. Um, I'm just thinking of like more like on the revenue front, gotcha. you know. Like, yeah, makes sense. Uh, and similarly on the expense front because there's not as many there too. So that makes a ton of sense. All right, the kind of last thing is just anything that you want to talk about in terms of like promotion wise or literally any, anybody you want to give credit to or anything you want to take credit for. Well, for my team, I have the most rock star kick-ass team that there is. Um, and again, I had said that um, I hire looking for people who want to learn. And I'm very fortunate to have the team that I have that um, value learning, are very inquisitive, very curious. Uh, and um, that starts with Alexis, who is our associate director. And I actually... Um, hired um, her having limited experience to one of our areas, but I saw that in her. And I think that, you know, as humans, we're always going to be able to adapt and learn if you have that drive. Um, and she definitely has it. Um, so I think that in relation to our digital transformation and vision, we wouldn't have gotten as far as uh, we would within a, you know, it was a matter of four months that we made pretty good progress in terms of establishing not just our vision, um, and baselining our capabilities, but then at, uh, putting up a, um, an action plan against all of the, the three areas of people process tech. And then also Kayla, who's a, a senior manager who's been with us for about a year and a half now. And same true, same is true for, for her. 
And then um, Christina is one of the, the managers in my group and she's probably the most tech inquisitive person that there is. She's the one that's actually taken the, um, the, the Harvard um, data toggling um, or data the wrangling or toggling. I don't know, it's the, the data course uh, out of uh, Harvard. And um, she, she's been able to get certified on UiPath. And then now she also took uh, Altrix um, Learning Academy and already is like setting herself up to be able to to use that tech within our, our processes. And I think if you didn't have that mindset to learn, you wouldn't have to have done it in such a short window. And she's accomplished all of that in like a four month mm -hmm. uh, time window. Um, and um, Abdel too, so he's newer to the team, but um, came, came in and gave us fresh perspective on, on socks and maybe how we could change up some of the ways that we, we approach our, our audit process. Um, so I think if anything, if, if there's something to be said, it's just more, to my team who are extremely hardworking and all, always wanting to learn. And I think that we wouldn't be able to accomplish half of the things that um, we do if it wasn't for their drive. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.